Let's be honest. A lot of us think that kind of hating your partner has to sound like this. You gonna come up? But more often, it sounds like this. I lay in bed and I listen to my partner drink out of their water bottle. And I, I'm just sitting there like fucking shaking. If you don't put that water bottle down. <laughs> <laughs> Truth is, along the way, most of us at least somewhat learn how to love. But few of us ever learn how to effectively cope with not loving everything about our romantic partners. And that's what this episode is largely about. And also, I have got to tell you why this topic is really, really right on time for me. So let's get into it. All of it after this. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say, lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I say. What's going on, lovers and friends? Welcome to the podcast named The Exact Same Damn Thing I Just Said. Here we get together and we discuss intimacy, which is a fancy way of saying close personal relationships and interactions. And we all know what happens when relationships get really close and personal. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure, often that. I thank God every day for, for bringing such a kind, caring, and loving man into my life. I mean, sure, maybe that. Yes, we do consume each other's blood on occasion for ritual purposes. Okay, no, usually not that. But there is something that all intimate connections will have at least some of. And that's this. Shout out to Khalees for making one of the most, I'm gonna just say it, profound and incredible love songs of our time. Because not all songs about love are about the rosy and glossy side. And although it's not romanticized, I do think that there is something profoundly beautiful about not being able to stand something about someone and still choosing to stand by them and do life with them. And parts of that, to me, are really what real love is all about. You cut the butter wrong. (laughs) What do you mean by that? You don't peel the paper off the butter before you cut it. You cut the butter and paper. (laughs) I will literally just find mugs all over the house with moldy tea bags in them. He also leaves all the fucking spices out after he cooks. He's a very adventurous cook, so there are always plenty of spices. He works outside a lot, so when he comes home, he's exhausted and thirsty and just goes into the bathroom. And I always find empty soda cans next to the toilet. Like, this man's is out here enjoying a toilet soda. It is the weirdest thing I've ever encountered. My wife complains about every damn thing. We went to this nice restaurant where they make the Caesar salad at your table side. My wife eats hers. She doesn't like it. Why? Too much salad dressing. We go out again a few nights later. My wife didn't like it. Why? Not enough salad dressing. When I say this man loves to fart, 
and can fart with the best of them and will always laugh like a hyena afterwards, it's, it's ridiculous. Now, the one saving grace is that his farts never smell. We've lived together for over two years now and he still somehow puts everything away in the wrong spot. It kills me a little bit. All right, so let's really dive into things. This episode is right on time for me because there are so many things about my life that I don't like and have not liked for a long time. And that was causing confusion for me about my intimate dynamic. And I genuinely believe I had a massive aha in this episode, making the third segment of realizing that. It's been a really tough past few months, um, specifically since I got pregnant. I was sick for months and months with nausea. And then when I finally got better, Ryu started to socialize and go to daycare. And then since that time, I've gotten six, seven times. And that is why I sound like this today. And you'll probably get a little bit of COVID-19 ASMR in the background here and there. I have been recovering, I believe, although it is a very scary, tricky, precarious, unique illness that I've never experienced before. Furthermore, my daughter had it and she had a very tough time with it. She's one and a half years old. As a matter of fact, she just turned one and a half yesterday, which I didn't get to celebrate because we were healing. Uh, However, my husband has it and he has had zero symptoms. So that to be said, it is important to take care of yourself and to still consider that even though our lives are opening back up, we still have to be weary. I'm not going to make this about a fucking the more you know moment for public health. Whatever's clever. That was my experience. That to be said... Through the lens of all of the turbulence that my life has undergone in the past few months, I think a lot of that started to distort the way that I viewed my own partnership. And I think that's why this topic is so important to talk about because it is fuzzy, it is gray, and it is blurry. But there's definitely a strength to determining the difference between not liking your partner and not liking the circumstances in which you and your partner exist together because the circumstances can change. The person, they can change. It's just that's a much more difficult, arduous task. You need to have somebody who is on board with that level of transformation, which is not always simple to find. That to be said, I think it's very important that you do not undercorrect or overcorrect in this area because both can cause some fundamental issues for you. So let's first and foremost talk about people who overcorrect. So when it comes to admitting that you don't like some things about your partner, this can actually be in conflict with a lot of people's belief system that when you meet the one or your soulmate, that everything is smooth sailing. And I get the draw to that fantasy because as somebody who has been clawing uphill, tooth and toenail, again, for the past few months, I understand that we wish that there's one place that there is just a chairlift, that we just get into this romantic relationship and it's easy because health is hard and life is hard and work is hard. And so, yes, there's this fantasy that we'll meet a person who we can fully accept 100% and who fully accepts us 100%. And mathematically, that has to be true for someone out there. But for the vast majority of us, it's not true. And so 
holding on to this belief system, I think can be inherently negative for you. One, because it can cause you to prematurely break up with people if the fantasy illusion is cracked. And two, can actually stifle your growth within a relationship because you can't help to push that person if you can't notice where some of the issues are. And I always say this, that criticalness and inventiveness are two sides of the same coin. I also think that it's really important to note that when we first get into relationships, majority of us have the issue of overcorrecting when it comes to our romantic partner's flaws. And this is known as intimate idealization. And your body, biology naturally does this in order to get you to fall for someone. So it glosses over all the negative and it heightens all the positive. And this is known as the honeymoon phase where that person's poop doesn't stink. And then all of a sudden one morning you wake up and you're like, what did you eat last night? Because I just walked by the bathroom and I damn near threw up in my mouth. And again, going back to what I said at the top, that might be where genuine intimacy can actually begin. So yes, I think that there is so much strength in being able to pinpoint what you dislike about someone, but there is a huge but with that because on the other end of the spectrum is disliking your partner or genuinely disliking yourself in reflection of your partner. And when you get to that point, that's when it's time to end the relationship. A major thing I disliked about my ex was his ability to make everyone hate him. That explained to me why we couldn't keep any friends. So I decided he had to go. He didn't believe in having a savings account. He had an embarrassingly loud laugh. And he also believed that 5G caused COVID. He was so dirty. He could never say sorry or admit any fault. He just, he just couldn't do it. We actually never had sex, but one thing that actually kept me from going there and ultimately left me with just wanting to walk away is just how loud he is. He's not resilient, and his avoidant attachment style really shows. So how do you know if you're at that point in your relationship? The extreme litmus test, I think, for assessing whether or not it is the partnership or the circumstances that are causing the discomfort in the union is to really be honest with yourself if you are happy for that other person's good news. Because when you get to a place where you don't believe that person is deserving of good or you think that they're going to ruin it or because they cause you so much pain and discomfort, it actually makes you angry to see them happy. Like when you see a Disney villain get what they want in the end, like there's never a sense of joy there. If you've gotten to that place in a relationship, it is definitely time to call it. But long before you get there, there are some other telltale signs that you might not actually be fundamentally compatible with someone and that it's not the circumstances or your attitude that has to change. It is the dynamic and partnership altogether. And I want to dive more into the nuances of that, but with more nuances. So I asked some of you guys for questions around that fuzzy line between not liking everything about your partner and deciding like, do I even like this motherfucker? So at the end of the episode, I do a little mailbag segment. So we'll circle back to that then. Right now, let's dive in to the guest, the starring guest du jour. And this is a repeat guest because they are so lovely um, and genuinely a friend of mine. I went to the Horrible Decisions live show by myself and I saw them in line. I was like, Jasmine, no questions asked. I am tagging along and like attaching myself to your group. And she said, duh, bitch, come along. So Jasmine J is the guest and Jasmine is a plus size fashion model, a content creator, a diversity consultant at BuzzFeed. 
Jasmine's work focuses on fashion, style, and beauty for all bodies with the spotlight on black bodies. She is also a certified lover and friend. You might actually recognize Jasmine's voice from the Naked Truth About Loving Your Body episode. The body positive movement was originated to speak about marginalized bodies, you know, but if you were to look up body positive, I'm sure one of the first images you would see would be probably a white woman, Mm. you know, the fat phobia that runs in the world is rooted in racism. Look, if you have yet to listen to that episode, do yourself a favor, make a note right now, or go ahead and save it. The Naked Truth About Loving Your Body touched so many soft spots, started so many important conversations, which is truly Jasmine's specialty, as you're about to find out. All right, let's talk about hating your partner sometimes, which is fine. Hating your partner sometimes, which is fine. I think it's a graduation for me. Yeah? Yes. I really believe that prior to November, which Mm -hmm. is two months ago, Mm. (laughs) I wouldn't even let myself go to hate. I would immediately go to break up. Ooh, understand. I feel like it would be weird if you didn't feel a sense of hate in a relationship. And that can be on many different levels of like, I lay in bed and I listen to my partner drink out of their water bottle. And I swear I can hear every molecule down their throat. And I, I'm just sitting there like fucking shaking. I'm like, if you don't put that water bottle down, <laughs> you know, it's I some, will end you with it. <laughs> it's some like simple stuff like that where I'm just like, Ugh. and then there's some big stuff that you can be like, okay, we actually need to talk about this. Well, I loved how we came into this because I, I love a good story. Was you telling me about what happened during the pandemic? And I'd love for you to share that story. Yes. Okay. So at the beginning of the pandemic, my partner and I decided to move in with each other. It definitely wasn't rushed. Like I felt comfortable. We were dating for like a year and some months. What was the inspiration for the move in? Was it we're scared? Let's come together. Was it let's save money? Was it I love you so much. I want to spend more time with you. We were more afraid to be apart than we were to be together because at that time we didn't know really how the pandemic or COVID worked. So it was like, if you are around someone, are we allowed to see each other? Are we just asking all these questions? And we were just like, yeah, why not? Let's go, you know, type of thing. And I think it should have been a little bit more than that, (laughs) you know? And I also think I was in a place that was not healthy in the sense that I've never lived alone by myself. So even thinking about that was like, oh my gosh, like I can't live alone right now. Blah, blah, blah. Like it just wasn't like even a, maybe you should just take some time for yourself, Jasmine type of thing. So of course I was like all on the, let's move in with each other. So when we moved in, It was good. And the place that we found, honestly, I wish I could love it. It was so cute, but I can't. (laughs) Between the pandemic, between being terrified for not only us, our family, between Kate doing remote teaching um, with my job also changing, with moving in general, with all the social injustices and all the hurt that was happening to Black people, it was just terrible. We were trapped in a house 
afraid to step outside, afraid to go on a walk. Kate also struggles with depression. I found out the summer of the pandemic that I had OCD and PTSD. It was just the ugliest, perfect mix of shit. And it was like us only being in the house with each other, you know, and someone so easy to bounce anger and frustration out. And the fights that we would get into, the struggles that we had, and it came to a point after we moved in in June, I want to say, or the end of May, and we figured out in March that we were going to move out from one another. And so 10 months, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And honestly, at first I suggested it because, of course, I have to be that fucking bitch. And honestly, praise anything that I said that because it's the best thing we've ever done. But that also immediately put us into a uncomfortable place of like, so if we move out, do we break up? And for the sake of Kate, when they asked me that, I probably confidently was like, no, we're going to stay together. This is going to work. La, 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 la. I was not as confident as I sounded. Mm-hmm. I was more in a place where I'm like, I'm not in control of this. You know, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to show up for me. I'm going to show up for you. And if that ends in us being together, beautiful. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, I truly believe that's not what is meant to be. And it was hard. I'm having conflicting philosophical thoughts right now. It's not related to you. These are just thoughts in general that mm-hmm. I want you to reflect back in your own way. Mm-hmm. So there's the one thought. Are we supposed to always like our partners in order for it to be the right person? And are we giving a message to people who are in toxic relationships that if they don't like their person, that that's okay? The difference to me was when I looked at Kate, take away all that shit, I still had someone that believed in me, believed in us, supported me. In my toxic relationships, I always felt like I was the therapist. I was the one pumping you up, doing this, doing that. And what was I getting in return? Absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. So just to even have a partner that was willing to understand my OCD, willing to... I wouldn't sleep upstairs in our bedroom for a month and they slept on the couch with me downstairs because I couldn't handle sleeping upstairs. You know, Um, having somebody support me and give me... I'm about to cry. (laughs) Um, Having somebody just really be there even after those terrible fights and know that you're still rooting for each other and lifting each other up. I think when I look back at those, the things that made stuff toxic, I wasn't supporting. Okay. You really bring the tears out in a bitch. <laughs> in listening to your story, what stuck out to me, and when I think about the difference between my relationship now and the one I was in the past with my past live-in partner, 
I tried moving the circumstances around constantly. Mm -hmm. The feelings didn't change. We lived apart. I did not like them. I did not like myself in reflection to what we had. I loved the shit out of them. We moved in together. I hated myself. Really? I hated him. Yeah. I still loved him. And I was, that's why I came to LA. Yeah. I came to LA because I was like, this is my chance to break free. I came here with this classic story. I moved with my car. Yeah. And I had no job, no nothing, but I was like, I'm just going to go for a month. But it gave me an excuse to break the lease. Yeah. So I was like, I have to break the lease because I'm going for a month just mm-hmm. in case, you know, something hits for me. Mm-hmm. I may have to stay longer. I never went back. Damn. But I changed this, but we didn't break up. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to still stay together. So we tried long distance. Uh-huh. It was awful. I can't do long So distance. I adjusted the circumstances, but the relationship never changed. Mm-hmm. So for you, I'm hearing it was the circumstances that were the issue, mm-hmm. not the connection. Yes. And I really, I love hearing your ver- like your own story about it because that is so important realizing that things are changing like you're still changing and you still hate how this feels it's probably not great right it's probably not helping you you're not making the right change exactly yeah damn that's so real that's so real Busting in right quick to say we're at the halfway point of the episode. I know time flies when you're having a great time, but don't worry. We have more Jasmine. I also want to remind you that in the third segment of this podcast, myself and Jared talk about what it looks like to not like each other right now. And we do a guided exercise that hopefully can help you if you're in a similar spot, if you ever get this place in your relationship. Um, Are you open to therapy at this time? Yeah. Oh, I wrote not at this time. Oh, okay. And then lastly, I do a mailbag section where I'm answering some of your questions head on. All of that is coming up. But first, this. When you changed the circumstances, the two of you moved out. Mm -hmm. What happened next? Yeah, there was, you know, some weird feelings around that. And I think Kate would say feeling wise it was weird but um it was great honestly after that weird part after we kind of got established it I like I was the fact that I was driving to their house and like packing a bag and you know making sure I had breakfast and and going to their place it felt like a spark all over again from like the first times that we started dating each other, just having that space and that freedom, I think is really, really what helped us, especially helping us heal from everything that happened in that first year of the pandemic. Did you move out with a, what if like, let's see if this is better or did you move out? Like we're going to make this work living apart together. We moved out. We're going to make this work living apart from one another. But I will say there was definitely the notion in my mind of like, is this really going to work out though? Um, And we did, let me also say this before we moved out, we had a very serious talk with each other of like, okay, we're not going to move out and just expect Things are going to be different. Like, yes, there was a lot of outside circumstances, but also we need to change some things within ourselves. This is a great point. I didn't think about this. Yeah. So we, we sat down with each other. I don't think we wrote out a list, but we shared with each other, like, what do you think I could work on? 
um, what would help you if I worked on that? And we just came to like, here's how I'm going to make sure I communicate. Here's how, you know, I'm going to say certain things. And Kate, respecting what I was saying and just really listening to each other and helping ourselves to get ourselves to a good place to be there for each other. Is there one aha that you can share of like, oh, I didn't realize that by me not apologizing this way, it was causing you to respond to me this way or just something in particular that you're like, that just unlocked a potential for harmony that didn't exist before. I think that it was hard if Kate was feeling a certain way, like hurt, it would be hard for Kate to tell me that because they were afraid of my reaction. So then that had to be spoken about in many different conversations of like, okay, one, it's really hard to put me in that corner of like, okay, now I have to react in a certain way, knowing that you're afraid of that. Two, also being a black woman and Kate is a white person, like you monitoring how I'm reacting to things isn't, is a villain the best, you know? I know that is not where they were coming from. I know this has to do with stuff before me. Um, Well, specificity, you're not, you're talking about them feeling hurt. Yes, yes. So it's not like they were afraid of your reactions to life or just a conversation. It's like when I feel hurt, I come to you. I can relate to that with with Jared because it can, I got to really find the right word, Mm -hmm, the right time mm -hmm. or else the conversation becomes longer than I anticipated when it goes a route that I just didn't want it to go. Exactly. And also just like, um, I want to share my truth with you, but also me having to realize exactly what you just said. I have to say things in a certain way and not in a coddling way by any means, but you just have to know how other people want to be spoken to, especially in a time of distress, you know? Mm -hmm. I love that too, because it also speaks to the notion that we don't really get taught conflict resolution Mm -mm. ever, right? Anger management is for the person who hit a kid with their car. Mm -hmm. It's not for everybody else, but all of us have issues with anger to manage. And I remember being in certain relationships where with those places of hurt, especially if you have pent up hurt, it's like a person who has their arm blown off Mm -hmm. and a person who has a missing leg coming together and Mm -hmm. being like, my leg's blown off. They're like, well, bitch, what about my arm? Mm -hmm. And then it now becomes an argument of like who gets fixed first. And then meanwhile, both people just bleed out. We have to prioritize somebody. Mm -hmm. And I think in our relationship, my sleep with Jared, I I don't know if he subscribes to this rule, but I often try to push (laughs) it. It's like the person who comes with the problem gets prioritized. Mm -hmm. You can afterwards, we've solved my problem, then come and say, here's what you did that caused me or that could help me in the future. But the first thing is first, like if I'm the one who brought it up, Mm -hmm. then let's please work on my broken leg first. Yeah. My Cosmo article, final closing line here. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's listening to this right now and they're in a place where they're in love with their partner, but out of like with their partner, what reflection points would you offer them? First of all, take, take time away, take moments away, whatever you can do. I would go on drives. I would listen to podcasts. I would go sit in my car in the parking garage you know, um, to going and staying a weekend somewhere else. I went home for four months and stayed with my parents. Those moments alone to be like, okay, back to the drawing board. What are these things that I I am benefiting from in the relationship? How am I being seen? Um, what am I giving? Do those look somewhat equal? 
do I think I could do more? Do I think I could be treated better? Um, if I take out every external situation, am I still happy? Also, not having to do it all like you feel this way and I'm I'm, I'm going to do this in a day. Like it can take several <laughs> and that's okay. Probably better. Yes. Yes. <laughs> definitely better. Shout out to Jasmine and to Jasmine's partner, Kate. I love seeing their relationship dynamic play out on Instagram. It's fun. It's flirty. It's fashion. It's forward thinking. And if you want some of those Fs in your motherfucking life, then go follow Jasmine on Instagram at Jasmine J. Also, that's where you can learn other juicy things about Jasmine. For example, that's how I found out that Jasmine was in a whole other relationship. Or should I say a whole other dynamic duo? Jasmine has another Instagram page called at plus size friendly, and she shares that with Kelly B. All those links are going to be in the show notes. All right, so up next, Jared and I talk about not liking each other right now. So let's talk about it. But in order to frame this discussion, because I didn't want this to be unproductive, as it can often be when you're talking about very touchy, vulnerable topics, I was looking up different questionnaires, because you know I love me some quizzes and questionnaires, about what you do when you get to a space in your relationship where you're kind of assessing, is it you I don't like, or is it something outside of our dynamic that we can change that I don't like that's causing me to not like you in reflection? Couldn't find that. Obviously, it's not very Googleable. But what I did locate was a set of 25 questions from Bustle from an article called um, 25 questions to ask your partner, make sure you're on the same page. Now, a lot of these questions do not apply to where Jared and I are at, but you might find, depending on where you're at in your relationship, they do apply. So go ahead to the show notes to see the full list of 25. And then we go to you and I get a little bold, a little uncomfortable with you. Well, I think what's actually interesting about us doing this video this time, which I know you're not like completely on board with, but I'm like, Jared, this is actually the perfect time to do it because... I was going to come into this because we only got sick this morning with a really different energy. Yeah. And it was through this positive COVID test that I was like, hold on a second. You've been really hard on this relationship and hard on yourself in the relationship and obviously hard on the two of us. Um, but the real truth is there's so many circumstances that are constantly changing between us. So we really have to be graceful to one another. But it's been hard to be graceful towards you. Yeah. And I think we should talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm coming in here to read these questions off every now and then just because I want to spice it up. And we were just low energy because we found out that we had COVID and we were kind of scared. But now that we're here, let's read off the first question. How do you feel things are going with us? Um, I put hard to find a flow. Uh, our life is pushing us to focus on everything but us. Um, so we, you know, we're, we're dedicating a lot of time to Ryu. We're dedicating a lot of time to work, um, you know, in, in uh, my passions. So I feel like life has afforded us a small amount of window to actually focus on you and I. Yes. Um, I said probably our toughest rough patch. And I think that's a credit to what we share because yeah. it's, it's not devastating. It's not changing the way that I feel about you, the way I feel about our future, the excitement that I have to be having your kid, the excitement that I just get from knowing you in general. Mm -hmm. um, but I think this COVID thing, which is why I said I kind of put it into perspective, is the hard thing about where we're at right now is there's 
no stability anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so you look to your partner to be the person who's like, but yes, love me through it. Mm-hmm. And that person's like, yeah, but I'm kind of battling COVID yeah. or like, Ryu sick yeah, or yeah. we can't find a babysitter for this or I still have my own individual passions. So it's just, it's very rare that we're both on a loving time at the same time, given yeah. just all the changes in the footing being so crazy. So mm-hmm. I wrote that you would have said, okay, all things considered. Yeah. I probably would have answered that if it was probably a question that was thrown at me rather than like, I knew what this topic was. So I had to like really think about what, how are things going? All right, here's the second question. What does a balanced relationship look like to you? Uh, For me, I think it's when both people are giving, then both people are getting. If we were both in the mindset of how do I make Shan or the other partner's life easier, then both of our lives would be easy. Um, would I put for you more equal work distribution? Um, and I only say that because of, you know, we have people who are working with us, but there's still, there's a, there's a, a big boatload of work that you have to still push forward. It's, I, it's interesting. Cause I don't feel that way at all. Okay. So I'm glad we're having this conversation for that reason, because yeah. maybe you do feel like that's the, the places and spaces, but I feel like having additional help right now allows more space for you, I think, to develop in your mm-hmm. own unique way, which yeah. I think that you are right now on a track of independence. Yeah, um, That's my gut instinct about you. I brought it up. You didn't seem receptive of that a while ago, but I don't think that right now what you need for joy for me or within the relationship is like more investment in the us things. Mm-hmm. I feel like your joy is going to come from more investment in the specifically Jared things. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I wrote what I what it feels balanced to me is joy when we're separate that fuels the joy when we experience together. Yeah. So that to me, whatever the you do that makes you happy, and then when you come around me, you're, you have a light in your eyes. You're excited to talk. You're excited to share ideas. You're excited to touch. You're flirty. I'm flirty to the point. I want to. I I love your mutuality point. That's very important too because I have to set that tone. I know, and I'm making a conscious effort. If you notice, like I'm like I got to start listening to Jared's podcast again. Like I have to start. And I felt that for a while too, where like the things that you specifically care about have like less and less to do with me. Mm. Some ways that's your choice. Like musically, mm, you were mm. like, I want to surprise you. But then like, mm. that's been almost a year now. So You've heard everything though. I know, but I'm not involved in your <laughs> yeah. daily process. Yeah, I yeah. used to be, I'm not like involved yeah. in that. Um, and then with your podcast, I used to run every day. So I was always listening to it. Now that I stopped doing that, I'm not making the space. So it's like, I'm not meeting you with that joy yeah. about things that you particularly really care about or are passionate about. So yeah. I'm trying to make that adjustment and that fix. And I'm, I'm aware of that. And here's the third one. What do you hope never changes about our relationship that we both see the good in each other? Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that never, never uh, changes. Um, and I wrote for you uh, that my involvement in um, your particular brand never changes. That's interesting. <laughs> I don't feel that. No? Okay. No, I don't feel that. Okay. I love, I mean, obviously we have a new hire now and he's an editor and he's like, Jared is incredible. Yeah. Like it is such a gift for me that I have you on my team. I was recently out with friends and they were like, how 
the fuck do you do it? I am so baffled by your life and how much you can produce. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is an easy answer. It's my husband. Like mm-hmm. I have somebody who is so incredibly talented and talented in ways that I'm not, but also benefiting or, or complimenting me in ways that I am to bring out better in me. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and who also will work at 11 PM if we don't finish something. So I love that obviously for personal reasons, but always, always, always more important to me. Um, is you and what we share. And as yeah. again, we're bringing somebody else on, you train them. We've always kind of had this vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like where you kind of sit now as more of a manager yeah. and an overseer. And so you're delegating, but then in the free time when no one's calling you, which I know people call you 80 times a day. Yeah. But when nobody, and I'll get less and less, but yeah, when yeah. no one's calling you for help, then you've got space for you. Yeah. So the question, what I hope never changes, I answered the perspective I have when I look at you through the lens of a stranger. Mm. Whenever I envision I'm listening to you talk and I don't know you or I see you across the room like, and I'm feel like, wow, I can't believe that this person, like you're like, uh, you're my crush. Mm-hmm. You're like a celebrity to me. So I hope that that energy doesn't ever change. Yeah. Sometimes you're just a celebrity that I'm like, notice me, my tits are out and I'm in the front row, but you're still my celebrity. <laughs> Here we are. Fourth question. What do we need to improve on in our relationship? I said um, in the moment corrections. Um, And what I put for you was more fun. What I have is something similar. I wrote what we need to improve on. I thought we need to change things, not minds. And I thought you would write. We have to change minds, not things. Uh. So... I'm kind of over. I mean, we've been troubleshooting. Obviously, the our circumstances are just really what's impacting us so much. So, yeah. and we have been doing that. We have been looking for ways to change things, but we I think we have to get more specific. And I wrote out a schedule I think, you know, could be nice for us, but to me, I'm past the point of like let's try harder, let's be nicer, let's love more, let's let's drum up more joy and instead like why don't we change some things up and change some circumstances and see if that naturally solves where we're at. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Fifth question. What would you like to see more of in our relationship? Date nights. Oh, I have flirting. Uh, I thought you would have said friendship. Okay. That that too. Yeah. Yeah, that too. But date nights for sure. Here we go. Sixth question. What do you want our sex life to look like? Uh, I put more intentional. And I didn't know what to put for you. And I just put experimental for you. But I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Um, I put that you would think that you wanted more enthusiasm and yeah. more initiation. Yeah. But I think that kind of goes with intention. Like if yeah. you're here, yeah. commit. Mine, I wrote a natural extension of our life. Like our sex life should match our love life. Like that makes sense. If mm-hmm. we're really flirty all day long, it makes sense that we have a really connected, you know, sex life. Yeah. And or if we're really tired that day. Yeah. It makes sense that we didn't push ourselves mm. because we're like, it's been a while. So but what I think if you're tired it. all the time? Well, then there's day sex. Seventh question. What does our ideal schedule look like? Uh, four days working, one day personal, two days us. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Okay. It's mine's more specific. I have Monday to Friday, Ryu in the morning, focus on her. Work from nine to five joyfully. Time with Ryu, five to bed, sometimes slash often separate, you know, like Tuesday I'm on her, Wednesday you're on her, like we don't have to force and be like, let's, you know, whatever. Uh, 30 to 45 minutes and then 
after Riley goes to bed, whoever had her that day, that that person leaves and we just take half an hour, 45 minutes alone. Yeah. On the weekends, I would love to have Ryu alone in the morning. I think that's like, really, I had her this weekend, I had a great time with her. And then together time in the afternoon. And then on Sundays, because you have gymnastics with her, maybe you and Ryu alone in the morning, mm-hmm. find you know another activity you could do to keep her out till her nap. And then together time in the afternoon. I like that. It's a good schedule. Eighth question. What are you not willing to compromise on? Uh, the one day of solo time. Okay. That's similar. I have dry time together. I don't want any more dry time together. It's life. It's not. Because <laughs> just excuse yourself. Be like, I am tired. You seem really chatty right now. Yeah. Do your thing. Or, you know, if I'm, if you and Ryu are playing and you're in the mood is up yeah. and then I come in and I'm like, it's like, bitch, just le- go separate. It's okay. We'll be fine without you. So I think that we like. But don't, it's something special to be able to exist with somebody where you don't have to be alone during those times. Like, I don't want to have to, like, pretend upbeat if I'm, like, tired. How do you bring the vibe down, though? But so do you sometimes. I know, and I'm admitting that. So <laughs> but, if I, but it's, it's nice to, to, to ex- like, I'm like, yo, I get it. Right now you're pregnant. Right now you've been dealing with a lot. I get it. You know what I mean? It's nice to be got. It's nice to be understood. Well, this is the one place we conflict because, for me, I would just rather be like, hey, why don't you just go for a walk, play music, and yeah. then... Because otherwise, like I was saying, we know we went for a walk one day and like you were really quiet and I'm like, oh, now it's awkward. And like, I could have been having something in my AirPods. I could have been filling the time in ways that like, because when I end work. But sometimes you just want to exist with the person you love. Yeah. We got to figure this out because I don't have an answer for that. I I see your point. I don't like that reality. But I see it and it makes sense because obviously quality time for you is like more about span and yeah. quantity and it's really less about quantity for me and more just about not, that like not quantity though it's not span it's just it's just like it, it authentic time yeah i guess it, there's a there's a balance here because i wouldn't go hang out with a homie if i'm like i'm not in the mood to talk or do anything and I, okay so here my homie is not my life partner though i get this yeah. but it happens a sizable amount so here's yeah. the compromise can i say that if we do need dry time, yeah. like, hey, I just want to be with you guys. I want to be in your presence. Don't mind me. Do your thing. Yeah, I'm not going to really be contributing much, but I just want to be around. Mm. But don't do that all the time. Just once in a while. <laughs> Is that fair? That's fair. And if I'm similar, like I called you the other day. You're going to the studio. I knew you were going to the studio. And I was like, listen, you're just... The only person that I can vent to, can I just let go? And you could have been like, honestly, babe, I'm trying to get in my flow right now. Can we save it? You gave me that time. As soon as you got to the studio, I wrapped that shit up. So I just feel like a little bit more of like, hey, preemptive. I'm about to engage with you in a way that I know you don't enjoy. Are you open for that? Okay. Ninth question. In what ways has having a kid added to our life? Um, I think it forced us to... Uh, agree on a way of raising a human which it's going to either connect you or break you i said that it's given more to love right like in reflection it's another facet of you that i never would have seen if it wasn't for this dynamic that now i'm like wow i love you in a different more full way that's really beautiful question number 10 
What ways has having a kid taken away from our relationship? No us time. I have that exact thing. A lot. And I said a lot of focus on Ryu. Mm. So I think we got to balance that too of like, yes, when we're around, we should talk about her because it's a passion of both of ours. But then also we need to kind of separate that into like us time. And the final question, what can we do to make each other's lives easier? If we're both thinking about how do we do that, both of our lives will be easy. I wrote C above and I feel like a lot that I've learned a lot in this discussion. So I'm grateful for that. And with that in mind, um, are you open to therapy at this time? Yeah. Oh, I wrote not at this time. Oh, okay. Why'd you write? Yeah. I I just feel like it's like, you probably need therapy if you're going to say no. (laughs) 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 True. Um, I just feel like, man, I just don't have space for one more thing. Yeah. And then that's one more, you know, we just hired a new person. That's really hard to find somebody compatibility that fits yeah. finding a therapist who's compatible and who like gets yeah. us. And like, I don't feel like lost. I don't feel like you don't get me. I yeah. don't feel like we, we enlist a lot of therapeutic medi- mediums. This is a therapeutic medium. So I'm like, I think that we can sort of navigate and continue to do that together, but definitely when time opens up and if it feels right, I mean, I'll do anything you want me to do. If, if that's something that w- was needed, I, I'm open to it. Okay. I'm open to you. Okay. Thank you for being open to me. What else is going to open? Goodbye, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say thank you so much to Jared? Jared has been looking after Ryu and I, who've been really sick with COVID, as I've mentioned, um, for the past week, week plus. And... I'm just so appreciative. I'm like really just so appreciative of the dynamic that we've created and the partnership that we've created that that word partnership goes into many different realms, lover, caretaker, sexual partner, friend, sometimes foe and getting to a space where I embrace all sides of that partnership is been a journey and one that I just couldn't be more grateful to be on with the person that I am currently on it with. So thank you to you. Jared has his own podcast. It's called Enjoy the Podcast. Make sure that you are listening to that wherever you listen to podcasts. And speaking of podcasts, we ain't done yet. I promised you that we had a little mailbag section where I was going to answer some questions for you because I acknowledge this topic can be a little difficult to really get a firm grasp on. So let's go to your questions. So something sort of funny that I dislike about my partner is their road rage. Um, They are extremely focused while driving, which is a great thing for our safety, but so much so that they definitely get overwhelmed. Um, And so this is also a major turnoff for me because I love to talk in the car. That's where I have the deepest, you know, thoughts for me. And so being unable to share that is very hard. And so I guess my question is just like, how do you pick your battles? Look, I am glad that you started this question with something sort of funny because otherwise you're in the dead ass wrong here. So driving is scary. Don't forget that you are in a vehicle that is moving at high speeds with other vehicles moving at high speeds with people who are walking and birds that are flying. It can be a very stressful scenario. And just because many of us have learned to effectively cope with that stress um, doesn't mean that everybody has. Some people are so afraid of driving, they don't get on highways. Some people don't get in cars at all. So look at your partner on the spectrum and say that this is obviously something they haven't learned to completely manage or cope with. 
As a result, they are in fight or flight, which can be positive to some degree because in a heightened sense of alertness, you might be more able to pick up on potential dangers, but it also can be a negative because it can cause you to act erratically um, or to lash out at people that you are traveling with. And furthermore, to make your experience of driving unpleasant and make your stress levels go up, which can shorten your lifespan. I'm not a fucking doctor. All I'm saying is that the fact that you don't get to have these like calm conversations about your reflections on life or your favorite ice cream flavor in the car with your partner is nothing in comparison to what they're experiencing as somebody who is literally, again, going through like a traumatic experience every time they get behind the wheel. I use the word trauma lightly. I will say highly stressful experience. That to be said, I would be a partner in this case. So think less about how this part of themselves negatively impacts you and empathize more and be like, man, this must be tough for you. How can we find strategies together? Have you considered going to therapy? Have you considered addressing this as a phobia? Um, What are some things that we can do to make an environment in which you can feel more relaxed? And then through that, over time, you might find that lends itself to the kind of behavior that you're able to exhibit as somebody who is naturally more relaxed in a car. So my partner has is a cis male and has feminine mannerisms, but he's not gay. I've even talked to him about it, and he said that he's been told this before, and I just don't understand. He's not close with his mother. He doesn't have any sisters. So my question is, how do I get past this? First and foremost, go and listen to the episode, Why Straight Men Are Boring in Bed, because this to me sounds like you are making the fundamental error that causes a ripple effect of negativity for everyone and leads to less orgasms overall. Yes, that's how severe this is. But in essence, the idea that you have created that masculine does this and feminine does that uh, are based on character traits and characteristics that have nothing to do with someone's gender and more to do with, again, the social constructs we have around gender. And then not only are you doing that, but you're applying the definition to unrelated areas like someone's sexual orientation. Like if you do this, that must mean that. It, it That's just poor math. So my advice to you is twofold. First and foremost, you probably owe it to yourself to do a little bit of deeper digging into your perceptions around gender and why those exist and to see if you're carrying some unhealthy assumptions um, that have been socialized into you. Do that regardless. But secondly, just be honest with yourself about what turns you on in a partner. And you're, again, using these umbrella terms like masculine and feminine, but if you broke it down into traits that are attractive to you, For whatever reason, whatever traits you ascribe to femininity are just a turnoff, and that is okay. Um, It is also okay for the other person to exist exactly as they are and to be hot as fuck to someone else. I say this as someone who often gets referred to as being very masculine as a woman, and I see comments online from men who are like, I don't know why people think she's attractive. She's super, super masculine. And I'm like, you don't find me hot. And we would never be in a situation where we would fuck or I would find you fuckable in return anyway. So why do I care? And furthermore, I love feminine men. So if you don't like them, don't feel bad about leaving them behind because there will be people like me, street sweepers, will scoop them right on up. So my advice to you regardless, nonetheless, is to do that deep dive within yourself. And then secondly, have an honest dialogue about what attributes, not what 
gender qualities, what, you know, objective attributes turn you on and see if your partner qualifies. And if they don't, let them go. It's all good. So I've known my sexual partner for over 18 years. We've always been like, I guess, friends with benefits. And recently he's been more affectionate and more loving towards me staying the night more often. And I'm catching super deep feelings for him. Probably have gone from having a lot of love for him to just being in love with him. And he's such a jerk about it and tells me that I'll get over it, that the sex is just good. Am I stupid for like staying? No, you're not stupid. Are you responding very emotionally to a characteristically unemotional arrangement? Yes, but that can be fixed. And I think if you did take the emotion out of it, you'd be able to easily identify that the problem is the circumstances have changed and they have changed in a way that is putting you at a disadvantage. So prior, you guys had a very transactional relationship and then now you've added cuddling. Fun fact, it is actually through post-sex cuddling that the highest dosage of oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone that keeps people together because again, we're born to bond. The highest dose of that is actually released. So before, when you were leaving before that point, you were giving yourself and your biology a fighting chance of objectively looking at this person. But now by adding the extracurricular activity of cuddling and talking about your feelings after sex, you're putting yourself in the line of fire for intimate idealization to take place because your brain is like, oh, this is actually someone we truly want to bond with, even though you consciously don't want to do that. Subconsciously, your brain takes these cues from you. So I would go back to your old arrangement and probably put up some extra markers in place. I've done tons of videos on YouTube about how to effectively manage a fuck buddy, friends benefits relationship. Check them out. Maybe we'll do an episode in the future. I love this topic. I really hate when he talks about people. He like ruminates on the negative when something doesn't go his way. Is that a red flag? As someone who is the self-appointed president of the Complainers Academy, this is a topic I feel called to discuss and to tell you that I do think you can work with someone on this, especially given the fact that this is sometimes where, again, those incompatibilities can actually be very positive for each other because negativity is a double-sided sword. On one end, you have a complainer and you have somebody who sees the negative side of life. On the other end, you've got an inventor and somebody who sees potential and possibilities for things to be better. And someone who's always positive may be complacent. And somebody who is always negative might be unhappy when working together harmoniously. It can actually bring out really important changes in each other. And I know this because I think my partnership skews in this way. Um, where Jared is definitely not as much of a complainer as me. I think complaining is a sport, one that I'm very good at and what I'm proud of being good at, but also one that I acknowledge I can't play all the time. It's not fun for everybody and it can come at a cost to my own mental wealth and hellness. Because I know though that I do tend to skew on the negativity bias side, I have to actively engage in practices like gratitude journals, um, or a lot of internal monologues of telling myself I don't have to say certain complaints or things out loud. So your partner has to also be able to work with you. And that is really the fundamental difference between an incompatibility being a deal breaker or something that you can deal with uh, is that person's participation in acknowledging that this bothers you. And again, if it's a really big, joyful part of that person's life, then 
that's when the relationship should end. And if they acknowledge that making that change could actually bring more joy into their life, well, that's where true intimacy can begin. All right. You thought we were going to get away with in this episode without me lecturing you about doing a rate and review. And you were absolutely wrong because I'm making time for that right now. Shout out to everyone who listened last week. I know that it was a rougher episode, one based on the topic being very controversial and two, I sounded terrible, which you might argue I still do. Um, but for those of you who listened and rated and reviewed, shout out to you. Let me give you a little moment right now. First of all, Pet with Trini said, this is my second review of this podcast. Can we just give a round of applause to Pet with Trini for that? I had to write another review after listening to the Kevin Samuels episode. I thought Shan was crazy trying to put out an episode about someone who I personally think was a cancer in the arena of relationships. The episode did not change my mind, but it did make me see why there are folks that revere this individual. Thank you so much for that critical analysis and double thank you for reviewing twice. Um, Reese B says, this podcast is thought provoking. I love all topics brought up. It pushes me to think outside of the box. I hope it pushes you to have conversations outside of the box. That's truly, I can't say that enough, the purpose of why we do what we do here. Lastly, I want to read Ali Howe, who says, we miss you, Shan, but girl, get better. Equally important. This pod was very good. And then they went on to talk about Kevin Samuels, but I'm going to focus on that top line and say, just get some fucking rest. Give it a rest. Take a break. Um, and I will do just that. And we will talk next week. I hope I will sound better. I hope you're having a great week. And let me know in the rate and review section on Spotify or Apple what you thought about this episode. Bye, lover. Bye, friend. Lovers and friends. friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, lovers and friends. Uh, I'm going to hold you down, down to the end. I said, lovers and friends. Uh, lovers and friends. And I said, lovers and friends. Lovers and Friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment, Shamboodram and Lauren Morrison. Also produced by Two West Entertainment and Workhouse Media. Our mixing engineers are Brendan Burns and Marcus Hom. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and sound design. Jasmine Henley-Brown is the executive producer at More Sauce, and this podcast is powered by More Sauce from Stitcher.